We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are previewing Chiefs Packers on a live edition of the KC Laboratory. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. An Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the AllPoint ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner in Emprise Bank, our partner in Possible at KC Sports Network. Uh, they're wonderful to work with, Emprise Bank member FDIC. Matthew, uh, I'm with Maddie Lane. Uh, Craig is out again this week. It's okay. Craig's good. We're, it's all good. He, he, you know, He's still on this show, just not tonight. Matthew, what's good? Yeah, I, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. Craig's still with us. He's, you know, it's preseason. You know, we're all missing some time here. You know, it's, it's the preseason. Yes, the that Packers is it. are the Packers are afraid to play their starters. We're keeping our heavy hitters, you know, Cowards. off until the regular season starts. You know, Aaron Rodgers is afraid of Patrick Mahomes. Craig Stout doesn't want any of the game I had planned for you guys later today. So I think Kit, I think that means de facto you're the winner. You what? won a game show that I had planned because Craig just simply didn't show up. You were no longer winless. Where's the confetti? Where is it? You're not even ready for it. Unbelievable. You don't even have a celebration I, ready. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm oh. waiting for the confetti to fall out of me. I, I don't think we can ever do this again. So, dang. All right. So, since the last time we talked, since the last time we were live here with this, the, the Chiefs have announced uh, some injuries here um, over this week or, and, you know, made a couple roster decisions that have been re- injury related. So, they've had some injuries that come about. So, I guess quickly to run down, and we got 
Lucas Niang has been placed on the physically unable to perform list, which essentially means he can't return until after week four of the regular season. He will not be able to even be active on the 53-man roster until then. Derek Gore has been placed on the injured reserve, and so he's not going to be able to play the entire season for the Chiefs. I believe Blake Bell has not been designated anything with an injury yet, but from reading between the lines in terms of what Andy Reid says, it sounds like he's going to miss some time with hip surgery. So he's also out of surgery. Oh, and Carlos Dunlap has missed the, have missed the last preseason game due to a sore Achilles that is quote-unquote getting better, but we're not sure right now. So which one of these injuries intrigues you, worries you the most? Blake Bell. Because I, I'm fascinated to see how the Chiefs are going to navigate the Blake Bell decision. So do they carry him on the roster, then put him on the injured reserve list at the 53-man roster breakdown in order to bring him back at some point? Because I believe because he's practiced, because he's participated, some of the, there's some restrictions on what they're able to do with him uh, with, with regard to the roster decision. So I think if he doesn't go, if he goes on IR, it's season ending right now. If they keep him at the 53-man roster, you know, break down at the, at the end and keep him on the 53, they can immediately put him on the IR, uh, and uh, you know that that'll at least allow him the opportunity to come back. So I'm still just I think I'm on Blake watch. I'm on I'm on I'm on Dozer watch uh, because I think that's the one that a probably impacts this team the most if we're being honest. And and let's just say this. I mean. You know, the Carlos Dunlap, Juju Smith-Schuster stuff. I'm not too worried about those right now. Blake Bell is the one that probably impacts this team the most when it comes to, I mean, Lucas Niang, Derek, or uh, all the respect to them. But I think the way where this team sits right now, those are, you know, Blake Bell's the biggest question mark, I would say, right now. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, So the big thing with Blake Bell is not necessarily – the player that's going to be missing for the Chiefs, but rather what that means for the rest of the Chiefs' offense. We've spent all offseason, national media has, local media, talking about all these multi-tight end sets, how the Chiefs can run the ball more, how they can be a heavier personnel on offense. All of that kind of goes out the window if you don't have Blake Bell. And it's not that the Chiefs can't run the ball more, they can't go heavy. We've seen Jody Fortson in brief stretches, you know, show up as a little bit of a blocker last year before injury. And this year, by all accounts, he looks bigger likely stronger we've seen Noah Gray kind of use as a move blocker at times over the past two seasons but neither of those guys nor Travis Kelsey at this point of career are Blake Bell level blockers so like if your hope was the Chiefs would go with 12 personnel 13 personnel run the ball more be a little bit more physical on offense I do think if he's the missed significant amount of time you kind of have to rein those expectations back in. It doesn't mean the Chiefs can't run the ball more it doesn't mean they can't still can't use all of their tight ends it's just it does change the whole process if you don't have a tight end you believe can block in line. So yeah, I would agree that Blake Bell probably has the biggest overall systemic effect for the team. But to me, it, I hear the word Achilles and my radar is immediately up. So Carlos Dunlap, a veteran player, been around the league for a while, dealing with an Achilles injury, that's something that if that doesn't get right, that can linger all year. And here's a guy that's already got moderate levels of explosion or burst as is. You limit that even more with an injury. Now things, you know, he might just have difficulty playing a not even a lot, but just a, a significant amount of snaps. You know, whether that is just 30, 40% of them, I think that Carlos Dunlap one could linger all year given the nature of the injury, unless we what we know about it. Yeah. And I mean, it's if we're looking at, you know, I the level of concern with 
maybe what Andy Reid's presenting to this point doesn't give me as much pause, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. It might be fair to say any level of concern with Carlos Dunlap is probably it's probably warranted to to be you know a little bit concerned relative to to a Blake Bell. Like it, it might you might be fair in that regard because I mean this is a high impact position. This is a guy that the Chiefs are expecting to be part of their defensive end rotation that was already lacking. You know this isn't the strongest group uh, on the football team at this point. Um, Frank Clark kind of is what he is as a veteran. George Kaloftis has has been great to this point, and you know I think there's every the arrows pointing up for him. There's a lot of reason to be excited, but you want a little bit more stability at that position. And I, you know, Mike Dana, capable rotational player, but they need more uh, juice. They need more capable bodies off the edge. Carlos Dunlap presents that. Um, he's a perfect fit for Steve Spagnuolo's defense and a veteran presence like there's a lot of there's a lot of boxes to check there um i'm still you know i i feel like you know we're at this point in the in the preseason where there's three weeks until i'm not i'm not i'm the alarm's not raised for me quite yet with him but if if the air if an air if an air of concern starts coming in from from you know the coaching staff yes i'll start freaking out a little bit because i do think He's a sneaky, valuable piece. Not necessarily like he's just going to be this giant impact player, but stability, depth at a position that needs it. That's where it gets a little concerning for me. So I got a two-parter for you next then, uh, speaking Uh-oh. of alarms. Okay, what is what's just, what is your take on Lucas Niang going on the pup list right away? What do you think that means for him or the Chiefs this year in regards to the tackle spot? I, I don't think he was ever legitimately going to have a chance at you know competing for that spot at the right tackle position. I think pretty quick into camp, I think it became apparent that this wasn't going to be a battle. I mean, Lucas Nega was going to be difficult for him to kind of get back up to speed, get in game playing shape. I think the Chiefs kind of figured that out relatively quick. And because of that, you know, they they they've decided to play a little bit slow. I think Lucas Nyang's going to need a lot of ramp up time when it comes to kind of getting into to game fitness. And I mean, at, at some point, I think you just roll with with Andrew Wiley, who we all I mean, we all considered we all considered Wiley the starter anyway. I mean, like that's the guy we kind of thought was going to be the guy off the top anyway. So I don't know. I I don't have any. I don't. I think it was the right move. I I didn't have a ton of optimism for Niang to overtake um, overtake Wiley anyway. I it's, I'm very much wait and see with 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 Lucas Niang at this point anyway. Okay, so that brings me to the second part. What's your just overall overall alarm level for the the player in the future of Lucas Niang? This is a guy that was drafted in the third round in 2020 who sat out the entire season due to COVID and that being an option. He didn't feel comfortable playing. He made the decision for him and his family to sit out 2020. Yeah. This was coming off of season-ending injury at TCU to his hip that caused him to miss the final half of that year. He played through it all year until it got too bad. So there's a significant hip injury. Sits out 2020, 2000 or 2021 comes around. He plays off and on with Andrew Wiley, and then he gets hurt again at the end of 2021. That's keeping him out this entire offseason into this year. Just what is your level of concern overall with Lucas Niang? I mean, okay, so I, I actually I'll, I'll I'll ask this question. So I saw I, I know I'm going to counter it with the question, but there's a reason. Like I saw I saw someone ask on Twitter if Lucas Niang is a bust. And I don't know if you can classify a guy that's the very tail end of a top 100, you know, uh, the very tail end of a top 100 as a bust. But 
Yeah, I think relative to the hope you had for him when they first drafted him, sure, the expectations have not been met. Injuries are always like a fickle piece of this um, when it comes to especially bigger guys, especially, you know, offensive linemen like that. Sometimes just, you know, your body, your body is it, it can fail you at times. I I don't have a ton of optimism for the rest of Lucas Niang's, you know, career. That being said, Chiefs have three years of club control left with him. Like it, it's crazy to think about Lucas Niang being essentially a second year player, but the Chiefs have him under club control. Last year was technically his rookie year when it came to their contract because he sat out for COVID. You don't give up on that either, right? You you don't give up on it, but the leash is starting to get a little bit shorter um, for for him. And I think he I think he holds on for a while. But I I you know obviously I don't I don't think there's reason to have a ton of optimism about his his outlook moving forward. Yeah, I, to your first point, like I, it's hard to call a third round player a bust, right? And in Lucas Niang's case, especially at this point in time, he's a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries over the past couple of years. So even if he, let's say he is unable to really continue going forward because these injuries, like I get the, I get the concept that a guy that could only play for essentially one season in the NFL, and even then he was replaced on and off of, you know, as a starter, as a backup. I get the concept of calling that guy a bust. I guess it's just not significant enough when you're dealing with the third round. But like, here's the concern I guess I have with Yang and how he could go down that road. He has not looked to be in great shape anytime he has entered Chiefs training camp. He missed his first training camp in 2020. He came in last year and he looked very large. He looked like a guy that wasn't exactly in game shape. As the season got closer, as he got action on the field, yeah, he looked a little bit better, but he still never looked to be a guy that was in great shape. And then this year comes around, he's dealing with an injury. The people that have been out the training camp to see him have, you know, there's been more than one report that he looks big again. He looks very large again. And I understand he can't work out, but right now you're dealing with a guy who going back to college has had issues of being in, in good shape, being in good enough shape to play football at a high level for a long period of time. So I think if that concern sticks and he washes out of his first team right now and the injury history, he is on the fast track to having a very short NFL career. And then I get how you'd start going to bust. So we had one more injury that we mentioned. And that was that was Derek Gore. He isn't going to be on the IR. He's not playing for the Chiefs this season. This parlays us into what we're going to talk about next. But do you see Derek Gore's absence as opening up a roster spot for another running back on the team? Is running back four? on the roster up for grabs and is that man ronald jones kent i no i don't think the Derek gore injury has anything to do with the roster construction at this point like maybe you know i think when one of the conversations we were having in the dms was maybe blake bell's situation you know helps the chiefs keep a fourth running back but i don't think it's because of the Derek gore situation he had no bearing on the 53-man roster he wasn't going to make the 53-man roster um you know, I know he had some good moments uh, last year, undoubtedly, but I think he was a guy that was either going, he's probably going to wind up back on the Chiefs practice squad again, is my guess. Um, he he didn't look particularly strong this preseason. I mean, no one really has. I mean, it's been really hard to judge any running back at this point because, you know, like the blocking hasn't been particularly strong at this point. But no, I don't think, I don't think Derek Gore had any bearing on on the situation for for uh for ronald jones i don't think ronald jones is making it either too i i, I think the Chiefs will roll with three running backs can i present my counterpoint i mean you're always going to like <laughs> so 
the two, okay, so I don't disagree that Derek Gore's ability to make or not make this roster really has that much bearing on Ronald Jones. However, we're now talking about Blake Bell potentially not being on the 53-man roster right now. If he's not, that leaves the Chiefs with maybe three tight ends that we know of, maybe a fourth one sneaks on there. If you're not including Ronald Jones or Derek Gore, that's only three running backs, three tailbacks, plus Michael Burton. You have an open roster spot now if you don't have Blake Bell and you don't have another running back. So does that not open up the case for a Ronald Jones uh, to take that spot? And then the next step with the way the new practice squad rules work, if Derek Gore is on the practice squad, they can essentially reserve him to be an emergency call up any given week to play running back without Mm -hmm. being able to do that with him. Are they going to be comfortable only having three active running backs on the 53 man roster and not having that, you know, practice squad and Derek Gore that they can bring up into action any given week. And they would like to just keep a Ronald Jones on the 53 man roster to protect themselves in case one of the other three get injured. That's fair. That is a, that is a very good forward thinking roster building question. My only counterpoint is Blake Bell, I think is going to be on the 53. I do think he will be on the initial 53. Then he will go on IR. So the chiefs will have the ability to bring Blake Bell back at some point in this season. Um, So that's, I think they're going to have to let go of, you know, I think they'll probably still have to let go of Ronald Jones. If you know, and so maybe he comes back. I, if, if, if they release Ronald Jones, I don't think he's coming back. (laughs) No, I think, I don't think he'd want to come back, but I don't, I do think that Ronald Jones for some reason has, there's enough interest in him around the NFL that somebody would give him a chance to be signed immediately to a roster. That's why I don't even include him for that same kind of Derek right. Gore role right. where you could practice squad him and bring him up any given week. You need him. It's just, that's something I thought of. Cause I'm with you that Derek Gore's lack of ability to make the roster because the injury has no actual bearing on somebody else making the roster. Like it wasn't like Derek Gore was guaranteed a spot, but the inability to call him up when you need him, whether it's week eight, week 12, whatever it may be, I wonder if that does impact their decision or are they okay with Tayon Fleet Davis as being that guy instead of Derek Gore? Like, I don't know, but uh, well, it's just an interesting roster battle spot there still. You know, and I think that's one of the roster spots we kind of need to discuss. Like, I think that's a perfect transition to kind of like the rest of this show. Um but let's talk about trade real quick because we're coffee nerds here uh, at KC Sports Network. And I mean, even Tucker is now becoming a coffee nerd. If you haven't noticed yet, he, he actually drank some black coffee for the first time in his life, which Whole was great. And he said it wasn't bad because you know what? It's not. It's perfect. It's one of the best parts of my day. And uh, I I, uh, I signed up for trade coffee personally. And, you know, they they connect customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee that they've ever made at home by partnering with country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns like in like, you know, Portland, where I'm getting some Uh, trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Um, You're going to take a quiz if when you go to drinktrade.com slash KCSN in just a couple uh, of questions and you'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as you like no gimmicks you know do you like them ground do you like them a whole how do you brew your coffee are you a pour over guy are you a uh, just a traditional coffee maker like me and my wife are so right now trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com/kcsn that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free 
Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN and let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. All right, back to the running back position. Back to, I think, the next conversation. We're going to look at maybe the last few roster spots that might be up for grabs here um, tomorrow because this is still a game preview edition. Uh, we've already talked about how Aaron Rodgers is a giant coward and afraid of Patrick Mahomes. Um, Fact. Yeah, I, the, the running back position is probably a little bit unsettled, and I think the Blake Bell impact you know this worth considering is you know maybe a tay on fleet davis is a guy that if he performs well this week and we haven't spent a lot of time about him but i mean you know he punched that play into the end zone uh i believe it was last week or two weeks ago. i can't remember which game it was but i mean he he finished in the you know he finished in the red zone he's a bigger bodied back which is always a valuable i think he's sitting around 215 um maybe he's a guy that can benefit from this opportunity where He's not on the initial 53, but maybe he is the, a guy that they try to bring up after the absence of Blake Bell. I, But I think the other thing that Tayon Fleet Davis can do for himself potentially is keep the Chiefs from looking elsewhere or keep the Chiefs from really actively trying to find another running back. Because you talked about, okay, who's the who's the practice squad running back that you know has the flexibility to come on and off the roster or potentially get called up uh, or be on the 53-man roster active? I mean, it might not be here, Maddie. The answer might not be in town right now. And, you know, a lot of good running backs are going to get cut. There might be a veteran that they like that winds up on the 53-man roster after Blake Bell goes on IR. What's up to? That's going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, I, I, you know, there, there, there could be a back or two that kind of falls, you know, you know, come, you know, falls through the cracks and, and gets an opportunity here. I, I wouldn't be stunned by that, especially since the lack of production that we've seen from the running back room to this point. But I think that's what Tay and Fleet Davis is fighting for. Yeah. And so we're looking forward to this game, you know, these position battles that are still open. This is kind of the last live game to get to do it. There's still some practices, but you know, there's some decisions that will be made based partially, at least on what the you know, these guys are about to put on tape tomorrow. So you're kind of looking at Tayon fleet Davis and Ronald Jones. I don't even know if they're competing for the same spot. Ronald Jones would be fighting to make the roster right. as a fourth running back. Yep. Whereas I think Tayon fleet Davis, the chiefs are likely 
looking at him to be a practice squad addition. And they feel they'll then fulfill like different roster spots or roster slots. So I don't even know if there's a position battle there to really be had. Like if anything, it's, it's Ronald Jones versus the, you know, potential injured Blake Bell and who's going to make the 53 man roster originally. Right. Or another wide receiver or whatever it may be. It's like just straight up Ronald Jones versus the field in terms of, is he going to be the 53rd player to make this, this team or not? So far, I'd say there's no way, but I just a yeah, strong that's, performance. I mean, maybe? I don't know. Like that's it, like camp ended. We have you know, there's been some practice we haven't had got a chance to see, but like he just hasn't shown anything to this point. Like there's nothing to really got. Like has there been anything from practice clips, from game clips that has really said that guy, the Chiefs need to hold on to him. The Chiefs need to make sure that they they keep that guy. Like at, I mean, I don't think I've seen anything. It's just. No, and Chiefs, you know, Chief, people covering the Chiefs as a whole, us included, have spent so much time talking Ronald Jones this offseason. It's a guy that is washing out faster than Carlos Hyde did with the Kansas mm. City Chiefs. So, like, he's done less. So, it's just, we should probably move on from him just in, in general because it's just been too much. I don't mean the Chiefs. I mean just people talking about him because there's just nothing to talk about. He has come in and not looked great, and that's not – Maybe all his fault. Maybe he will go full Carlos Hyde and go to the Texans and have a great year with another team. But I just with the Chiefs, it doesn't seem to be clicking. So are there any other offensive position battles you're looking forward to versus the Packers? I think it's I think I'm keeping an eye on Darius Fountain. Is he a guy that can help, you know, that can help himself continue to help himself? Because, you know, with the roster crunches, three running backs, four tight ends, all that stuff. How many wide receivers does this football team football team keep is one of those questions that you've got to kind of take into consideration. And I mean, if you're looking at me, if you're looking for me, I think Darius Fountain's wide receiver six at this point. You know, I you know I think Justin Watson's obviously a lock. So you got Juju, MVS, McColl, Sky, Justin Watson. They're the locks. I think it's it's you know if if um, if Darius Fountain can help himself, like. The, there isn't a true like I don't think there's like you to your point, Maddie. There's not like a true one to one position battle left on this foot on this football team. I don't think I don't think there's really a ton of them that we're gonna be you know maybe the tackle position, but I mean it's a lot of okay what what are we keeping here? Are we keeping guy X at X position or guy you know Y? Darius Fountain needs to continue to help himself. I you I feel like you kind of think he's a lock. I feel like you kind of think he's sharp because he got some reps with with Mahomes. I wanted to ask, like, yeah, do he did get a play with the the first team offense? Now that was also without McCole Hardman and without Juju Smith Schuster playing, but he still went out and took a couple reps with Patrick Mahomes. He has been comfortably getting reps with the second team at various times. Usually, maybe it requires an injury, but he's getting reps before. Corey Coleman, Cornell Powell, Josh Gordon. He's finding the field with guys higher up the depth chart than they are. Plus, we know last year he went out there and he played special teams a little bit for the Chiefs. We know he can still do that on some level here. He did it with the Colts before as well. So what would you need to see to think that he is not the sixth wide receiver? Like what would Cornell Powell or a Josh Gordon or a Corey Coleman have to do to overtake his spot? Because like I, you mentioned there's not a one-to-one battle, but like and if it's not one of those other wide receivers taking a spot, you're keeping an another tight end or another another running back i feel like it's six is a lock and i don't what do you think they those other receivers would have to do to overtake him well it's just a matter like i think you've got to look at 
I, I think I think Corey, sorry, I think Doris Fountain is likely to make it at this point. But I think if you're looking at offensive line, if you're looking like how many off, like the the only way Doris Fountain isn't making this football team is if they don't keep ten offensive linemen. Because I'm doing, I'm looking at the math right now, and it's or four running backs. Like that, those are the those are the roster crunches that you're potentially looking at. So it's Rojo, Doris Fountain for me. Are I might that might be the one to one battle, and because I, I think they're going to keep. And that like, means oh, like that said. they keep ten offensive linemen, right? That's no, that's only. It should only be nine. Okay, I think, okay so yeah, I so think nine, offensive, keep nine linemen, offensive line. Blake so like, Bell, yes, and then you have Ronald Jones versus Doris Fountain for the final spot. That's okay. essentially what you're looking at. So it's like potentially offensive lineman ten, Doris Fountain, and Rojo are really the are. It's the battle that you're kind of looking at right now. I don't know, like offensive linemen. I don't know what to do with the backups. I have no clue what to do with the backups with that group. Yeah. Um. So like, I, I think there's a, I guess a battle there, right? Um. So I think Garrett and Christian. I think we can kind of lock in as to getting a roster spot, whether we love it or not. I think you can kind of lock him into getting a roster spot. Same with Nick Allegretti. I don't love doing it, but I think Austin Ryder is also locked into a roster spot. So that gives you eight right there. If you wanted me, oh wait, no, that's nine because Darian Kennard's probably not. Darian Kennard's a lock. A lock? I think. Yeah, I think, I think Darian Kennard's a, a lock. Yes, he's been so bad though. I think they're keeping on to him. They're keeping inventory of a fourth round or a fifth round pick. I and I, yeah, and I, I maybe maybe Prince Tigo Winogo too. Right. Oh, or the only other name I was going to put in there, and this idea have to go back and see who's played some center. I have not minded. Um. Oh God, I'm gonna Is I'm gonna butcher this name. Vitaly German. I think. Vitaly German. Uh, if I'm watching third string depth offensive line for the Chiefs, he's the one guy that I don't think I have been disgusted by. It's like <laughs> maybe he's making a case to, I guess, push Austin Ryder because I'm with you. I think you have to keep two tackles while you wait for Lucas Niang. So I think that it might have to be Garen Christian and Prince Tiga. I don't know if Darian Kennard's ready to step in if you need him to. And if that's what you're doing, if you're keeping those three guys that maybe play tackle, Maybe Gurman's in there to compete with Ryder. It's like there is some stuff to sort out, I think, with this offensive line in terms of position battles. Um, I don't know if I see any one-to-one battles, though. I mean, Prince uh, is exactly. better than Kennard. He's clearly a better tackle. So are they actually competing for the same roster spot? Or is it Prince Tiga versus another you know, backup utility interior guy? And then it's like really hard to pare it down to a specific battle. Or is it a 10th offensive lineman versus a wide receiver? Like right. it's all across the board. That's that's really that that's like that's the that's the situation on the offensive side of the ball. If you were telling me uh, a position that the Chiefs go and add from a team like either waiver wire or free agents, it's offensive line for me. As far as actively on the a field, tight end that can block, one hundred percent a tight end that can block. That's that that's fair too because they, I am all over the waiver wire right now. If I I'm see just, a tight end that can block that is released especially after seeing the Chiefs were trying to put in a waiver claim on Kendall Blanton. That's I, fair. I can almost guarantee that if there is a tight end that can block that they like that is released, they are going to try to jump on that. I'm just curious how many of those are going to actually be available. That's the only thing I keep going back to when it comes to the tight end spot. It's like how many active, like how many capable inline blockers are there going to be on the market that they're going to like? Like that's the one thing I'm like, I'm not overly confident. Like I think there's a better chance of like a, a rotational interior player. I wouldn't be stunned. I will say this. I will say this, Matthew. I wouldn't be stunned to see the Chiefs trade some 
make use some of their draft capital to try to improve the bottom at the roster at offensive line or tight end. And if they do that, they're probably just putting Blake Bell on IR and calling it good, okay. is my guess. So I don't mind the process, but who is the who what offensive lineman are you getting rid of if you're improving the back end of it? Who is who is the position? What is the player that you are actively looking to go out and improve upon? Well, if you're keeping 10, I mean, we're not it's not really that hard of a decision to move on from a Vitali German or an Austin Ryder. So or okay. if you're keeping nine, it's even I mean, it's still the same thing. I mean, it's just so moving my on push from back though. My pushback that would be using draft capital to move to improve it a guy that would require four injuries to ever see the field might be a bold strategy before the injuries start to pile up. Because the only reason I say is Nick Allegretti can play center or either guard spot. So if you get an injury right there, you have a guy proven yeah. in the system that can step in. Darian Kennard, I think, can probably play guard in a pinch as well. I don't know how much he's cross-trained, you know, there for them, but there's another guy that could play a little bit of tackle or guard. Ryder has played guard and center. Like they have enough position for versatility out of their top seven, top eight guys that and I don't know if you're improving on a Nick Allegretti or a swing tackle via draft capital right now. Those are high-valued positions, I think. Getting a guy that a quality enough center guard combo player or a swing tackle is going to cost you more than a future sixth-round pick, in my opinion. So I just don't know what kind of draft capital you could trade to improve on your 10th offensive lineman. My only pushback is also, like, I mean, why would the Chiefs do it is, I mean, Nick Allegretti is about to be a free agent. So, I mean, there's, there's you know, an Austin Riders on a one-year deal, like, you know, throwing one of your 12 draft picks. Like, I mean, this team has more draft picks than you know what to do with it. You know, so it's like maybe you start using that cap a little bit to improve the bottom of your roster heading into this season and figuring out some stuff there. I, I do think you're right. Tight end's probably a very good place to look as well if they're maybe as a team willing to surrender uh, one of their you know better inline blockers. That's definitely a place to pay attention to as well. All right, let's look at defense. Let's look kind of do the same thing here. We're looking at position battles. We're looking at um you know some of that what's the what's the biggest position battle that you see uh on the defensive side of the ball is there a one-to-one -one positional battle at this point yeah we actually got some um uh, we, we talked about the cornerback one a lot so maybe we can breeze through that one here pretty quick i think you have i, I guess it's a three-way battle kind of here for two spots probably um jalen watson as a boundary corner versus DiCaprio Boodle as a backup slot corner, Jalen Watson backup boundary corner, DiCaprio Boodle backup slot corner, and Chris Lamont's special teamer. I don't even know if I want to give him the credit of a backup cornerback because I don't think that that factors into his ability to make this team, right? So I think you're probably going to see two of them make this roster, and I think Watson's the safest among the bunch. So it's a matter of can Boodle come out and showcase that he is a slot corner that you can rely upon? Uh, I don't know if he's shown that so far in the actual games, but maybe he has in practice. Chris Lamont's, I don't think, looks good when he's out there playing corner. I really don't. I think he looks rough, but he's a good special teamer. And if Boodle can't separate himself on the defensive side of the ball, then it might come down to you know a coin flip, and Dave Tobe wins the coin flips. I don't. It's, the coin doesn't even get thrown in the air. It's Dave Tobe's opportunity. Like I think that's like that's the. I think Dave. I think. I don't think the copy of Boodle is making this team. I think it's going to wind up being Chris Lamont's getting that opportunity. I'd lean there. that way. I mean, I'm leaning there as well. I mean, he's going to get a few of them, but uh, yeah, the Capio Boodle might be a guy that the chiefs are able to keep on their practice squad. And I think that's one of the questions you start asking yourself about some of these situations is who can I get through the practice squad? 
and we can go back to the offense real quick. Vitaly German, do they think that they can sneak him onto the practice squad if they like him enough? I bet they think that they can. Probably. So like, there's a little bit of flexibility there. Hey, by the way, thank you everybody for watching right now. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment about some guys that you think might be on the roster bubble. Maybe we'll get to a few of those before the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Coffey says the biggest battle was Kent trying to score in the media soccer game. Of course, Tucker put that one up. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad on our end. Uh, yeah, the cornerback position, we, I think, I think we've about said what we need to see there. And we've hit on that well, a lot. One more quick bit. Do we think there's a chance that a Zane Anderson, Devin Key could interrupt six corners and turn it into a five safeties, five corners? I would agree no. with you. I just, I just want to throw it out there. I don't think so at all. I think Zane Simple Anderson, enough. Zane Anderson and or Devin Key are special or are our practice squad players. I think I those are two guys that they can sneak through on the practice squad. They've done it once. And I don't think either of those guys, if they want to hold on to them, I think either of those guys will be able to easily get back onto the practice squad if they want to keep them around. So like, I think that I think it's like DiCaprio Boodle or Chris Lamont's is really the, the last two battles. Do you know what I'm really kind of interested in Maddie? I'm interested in the linebacker position. I am fascinated by linebacker position because that's another one of those things. It's like, okay, so the chiefs are probably going to keep They'll probably keep ten, uh, or not. Oh, well, yeah, they might keep. They might keep five and five. DN D tackle. We'll get there in a second. I the linebackers could be something that really disrupts them. Like I think Nick Bolton, obviously Willie Gay, obviously Leo Chanel, obviously. Okay, now what? Elijah Lee, lock. Elijah Lee's a lock. Are you keeping five? Or are you keeping six linebackers? Because I'm. No, I don't think six linebackers have shown me anything worth getting excited about. I'm not sure five have. <laughs> like, this is like, I would say the worst position group from a depth perspective on this team because I haven't loved what I've seen out of Jermaine Carter. I wish I've seen more. I wish I had seen more out of Mike Rose. I wish I would have seen, you know, Darius Harris is probably, I would say, linebacker five. Is that fair? Oh yeah, I. So I think the Chiefs will keep at least five linebackers, and it's five or six. They've kept five in the past. They've kept six in the past under Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo. It's one of those two, and I think you know the five obvious ones are the you know, the four you guys we started there: Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, and then Elijah Lee, Darius Harris. So he's your other Mike. He's the other guy with the green dot that's calling plays. Right now, I don't know if the Chiefs are one hundred percent comfortable if Nick Bolton goes down, giving that entire responsibility for to leo chanel like right. they might not just wait they're giving him work there but they might not be ready to just turn those reins over mm -hmm. darius harris has been playing ahead of him as the second team mike yeah. he gets on the field as a mike linebacker before chanel does i think he's pretty much a lock to be a fifth linebacker he also plays special teams um and Corey chimes in here. Carter has a fully guaranteed contract as well so that does matter the chiefs cut him they are essentially throwing money away but uh jermaine he's carter's been really bad. really bad just bad he i he doesn't serve a purpose necessarily for this team in my opinion he's like their fourth best guy taking on blocks he's their slowest linebacker he's like the fourth to last best guy in coverage i don't see what he serves other than maybe being a special teams player and i don't know if he improves upon elijah lee leo chanel uh darius harris on special teams so good to consider I just I see five as locks, and if the push comes to shove on an extra guy, I think this 
team this iteration of the Chiefs ought to lean towards a defensive line or even another defensive back over trying to make sure they get a sixth linebacker. Yeah, I I think that's kind of where I'm leaning at this point. I mean, I think the Chiefs are keeping five defensive ends for sure. And I am just jumping right back to the to the defensive end position defensive line position because like I'm looking at linebacker and like, okay, I think that's about that's about where the conversation ends with there. If we're talking about keeping five, um, yeah, that, that opens some things up for the defensive line position. It opens things up for um it opens things up for that. I mean, pr- primarily defensive tackle. I feel like we have a pretty like Joshua Kendo versus Millie Kang's probably the only defensive end battle we have right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think so. I feel like that's, that's what you're looking at as a battle is probably Herring versus Kendo as that last spot. And yeah, no, I can't even, I can't even, I think pretend much else, right? Like they kind of have their four starting slash rotational defensive ends. You have one more guy there on the outside that is going to fill in the last spot. And then I guess it comes down to maybe one of those other defensive ends is going to compete with uh, an 11th defensive back or a sixth linebacker for that final defensive spot. If the Chiefs decide to keep both Kando and Herring healthy or on the active roster, especially given Dunlap's injury and Frank Clark's, you know, up and down seasons within the past with the Chiefs, Carl Loftus being a rookie, it maybe, maybe you just get us another snap eater in there. I don't know. That's where that's where it's going to be interesting to me, uh, and like that's where some of the things get a little a little a little hairy. I have six defensive ends, maybe. Um, do you keep five defensive tackles if that's the case? And I think the battle is Taylor Stallworth, Colin Saunders, maybe Danny Shelton. I don't know what to do with Danny Shelton. He was a late ad, so like Danny Shelton wanted to come here, you know, and he felt a. Okay, did he want to come here? Did he have no other options? And he had I, options. Yeah, Jacksonville. Think so? Yeah, he said he picked up. He option? said he picked between is, the Chiefs is, and the Jags. Is that an option? You know, hey, I, I, I count them. I mean, they are an NFL football team. Uh, last I checked, but I mean, Colin Saunders versus Taylor Stallworth versus Danny Shelton, maybe. Like that's that's the other that's the other one you're looking at. Colin Saunders has been the guy that's flashed and he's played really well since Danny Shelton's got here. So I mean, I, I think he's really done a lot to you know give himself that opportunity. Taylor Stallworth has come on slow and we haven't got a chance to see him, but I think he performed capably in what we've seen to the preseason to this point. I don't know what you've seen from him at this, at this juncture. Yeah. Just, I, I think the entire chiefs defensive tackle room during preseason has played relatively well. All the guys and Danny Shelton with the, being the latest guy to be added to that room, hasn't had as many chances, but I think all the guys have had bits of flashes. I mean, Stallworth has flashed at times with a run stop and a pressure, Tershawn Wharton in that first game especially looked really good. You know, he had ups and downs against the uh, the Commanders in the second one. Uh, and then Colin Saunders had a fantastic game uh, against the Commanders. So, like, all these guys have flashed a little bit. You could make a case for every single one of them, I think, to make this roster. And then if I want to lean over to Shelton, there's the one guy that can back up Derek Nottie. Danny Shelton is the one guy that you could put in there in Nottie's place and be a second nose tackle. I get it. It's not a super viable position, but... The Chiefs with Steve Spagnuolo have went and got Mike Pinnell, and he served a purpose for them. They went and got Jaron Reed, and he served a purpose for them. Yeah, Danny Shelton may be at the same level of those guys right now, but he could serve that same purpose. So I don't know if I want to call him a lock, but if the Chiefs think they need another run-stuffing defensive tackle, if Steve Spagnuolo is sitting there saying, I want Derek Nottie insurance so my defense works, he's close, and then that makes him close to a lock because he's the only one of these defensive tackles that can fill that role which makes the other guys all competing for a similar spot. And now you get back into the same issue. If you're keeping 10 defensive linemen, is it five and five? 
Is it six and four? What does it all look like? Do you keep an extra defensive lineman and keep 11? There is so many roster spots. There's a, no, sorry, take that back. There's like one roster spot up for grabs on both offense and defense, it feels like. Mm -hmm. And they come from all different positions, though. And that's the wild part is the Chiefs have done a pretty good job moving around their roster selection year to year. It started out on Andy's tenure under Alex Smith, where they were pretty consistent every year with what they kept. They've been they've bounced around a lot more often since then. So it's yeah. hard to pin down that it's a the last spot's a linebacker or a corner. So this last game could tell you a lot. I think so too. Like there's there's enough there's enough positions to kind of keep an eye on. I think we've kind of outlined the list of players that are worth paying attention to in this game. Um, you know, and maybe even a little bit of their snap count too can tell you a little bit. If uh if Darice Fountain gets a little bit of work and is out relatively quick. That might tell you something, you know, I pay attention to who the first team special teams are like, that's going to tell you something too. some of these guys we just talked about. It's Mike Rose on special teams. Is he on the first team special teams? Like these are, these are the things you got to kind of pay attention to a little bit more. Um, Obviously we're going to find out how much, if any, that the chiefs first team offense is going to play the first team defense is going to play. That's always going to be something that kind of gets thrown into the mix here too. Like how much, how much work do those guys get or do they get any? It sounds like the Packers aren't getting any. Uh, what do the Chiefs do? It didn't sound like it was definitive that the Chiefs were going to be playing their starters at all um, the last time Andy Reid talked. So plenty up do in the air at this that, point. Do you think that Andy is going to let all of his guys just get a rest for over two weeks? <sighs> That's know. not an Andy thing. Andy's not big on just resting guys when there's going to be ample time to recover. How did the He's first? A, yeah, but how did the start of last season go? Do we think that? Well, okay, that I don't think they had as long of a layoff in between the preseason and the start of the season, did they? I maybe I, I can't know. remember that. I, I just that's know way that too far back. I, I just know that they started slow last year. I don't want Travis Kelsey seeing the field. I mean, there's some guys I def, I really don't want Mahomes to see the field. Like I don't know what he benefits from being in there, throwing quick <laughs> game, getting the ball out of his hand quickly. Like I don't know. I don't Especially, know if they. I don't know if they need it. It's just that's not. Andy Reid style like he's been out here playing these guys in the preseason he played them in the preseason last year like he's pretty consistent with like unless unless they're talking about a playoff game that they have it locked up and even then this Andy would Andy Reid sit guys going into a bye week into the playoffs I can't remember when that happened if yeah, he, he did. sat did he set them in the last yeah. week yeah I can't remember yeah. who all sat yeah he did yeah, so it's just it's Andy's not as some of these younger coaches, the Sean McVay's we talked about, the Lafleur's. These guys are sitting everyone all the time. Andy runs a hard training camp. He runs a hard offseason program. He might not want to just give guys two and a half weeks. I mean, what if they don't play this week? That's almost what like three weeks since they last played or something. That'll be three weeks in between games. That's a long time where they're just practicing. I could see Andy wanting to keep those guys in game day routine. Even though it's a Thursday, I could see him wanting them to do at least get suited up, trot out there, run the opening script. And even if they called after one series, it's just that seems like an Andy move to me. The old the old formula used to be, you know, the third preseason game, you would go and play a whole half. You would go in, you'd make the halftime adjustments. You'd go through the mechanics of getting into the locker room making halftime adjustments, coming out, executing a series, and then being done. That was kind of the old school way of doing things. I don't, Andy really hasn't done that anymore, and I'm fine with it. Um, I'm fine if they don't play. Uh, totally fine if they don't play. Don't run the risk of anything crazy happening. Monitor what the Cardinals are doing a little bit too. 
because, you know, the Cardinals are going to have their own way of going about things too. So maybe, you know, if they're not going to play Kyler at all during the preseason, maybe, and they're really not going to play some of their starters during the preseason, maybe you, you know, maybe you feel comfortable going into that first week, especially here's the other thing to consider, Maddie. Just one other thought. The Chiefs have two games in five days to start the season. So maybe they consider how they're going to navigate that a little bit differently too. Maybe that's a wrench to throw into the mix here when it comes to how they're going to navigate this final game. It, I mean, it very well could. Um, I, I would, I guess my thought would be a game played on August 25th is probably not impacting too much, especially if a guy's only play for a series or two. Uh, what happens two and a half weeks later on September 11th and then like even beyond, like I get it. If the, if it was backed up to even just being the following weekend, if the you know, if the season kicked off on September 4th instead of the 11th, okay, I could buy it. I could buy saying they won't play at all. That's just a long time for Andy Reid specifically to let guys sit idle in terms of game preparation when the season's around the corner. Yep, and we're going to find out here in about 22 hours, but we're not going to be here. We're going to be at Kingdom Bar and Grill uh, watching the game. Maddie will be on with us after the game to break down what we saw in the final preseason game. So make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you hit the like. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. That was the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.